1: I dag skal du høre et interview med en ung russisk kvinde, som blev bragt første gang den 14. september i år. Den russiske kvinde hedder Dasha. Hun blev født i Moskva, men har forladt hendes familie og hjemby for at arbejde på et internationalt nyhedsmedie i Polen. Da jeg talte med hende, der rullede debatten om, hvorvidt russere må have lov til at rejse til Europa på ferie. Og derfor reflekterer hun over hendes russiske identitet... Men også over, hvorfor hun ikke er sikker på, at hun egentlig har gjort nok for Rusland. Her kommer en med russiske Dasha, rigtig god fornøjelse. Thank you for talking to me, Dasha. Thank you for inviting me. And this connection to Poland, where you where you live at the moment. When when was the last time you were in Russia?
0: Actually, back in March, I was having a chill winter holiday. My boyfriend has just visited me, but everyone around was talking about the possible war, and all of my friends and I were like, "No, it's not going to happen!" Like, come on. And then it started, obviously, and my friends and I we were protesting. It's never been all right in Russia, but during these protests in particular, it was too harsh. To handle.
1: When did you know that you wanted to not live in Russia? It's not like I don't want to
0: live in Russia, but I know that I can't be a journalist in Russia. So if I want to be a journalist, it should be outside of the country, in a way. So I was doing my master's abroad, and right now I'm working abroad. But in my head, it kind of was always, I don't know, something that is temporary, in a way. And I guess the difference right now is that for the first time in my life, I realized that it's not temporary and I am an immigrant and it is something that is a part of me right now. And that's something I'm not completely on the good terms yet, if I'm completely honest.
1: When you talk about the protests, you laugh a little bit sometimes. Why why Uh, do you do
0: that? That is actually a good question. I guess I'm laughing because... Uh, First of all, my trauma response is to laugh, so maybe it's just like a coping mechanism of some sort. But actually because protests in Russia are not a political instrument. So like when we are protesting, we know that we're not making any difference. And I guess I'm laughing a little bit because you do it for your own sake, in a way, if it makes any sense, because you're not going there because you know that you're going to change anything but because you know that you're not going to respect yourself if you don't. I've been protesting ever since I was 15, I think. And for me, it was also always important to show that
1: I am not afraid. You say that you know it won't make a difference that you go protesting. Why not?
0: Because the repressive mechanisms are too well-developed, and these government won't go just because some people decided to protest.
1: Dasia, you're Russian. You work as a journalist, but in Poland. I know you have followed the, the situation in Ukraine uh, close. Do you still do that? It's something that like, I'm monitoring every single day. It follows weeks and weeks of intense uh, Russian bomber activity targeting infrastructure across the whole... But I feel like I'm trying
0: to take sort of mental health breaks right now because back in April, I think, I started to notice, notice that my state of mind was really deteriorating and I was obsessing over the news. And especially for the first two months, I was kind of seeing nightmares every single night. I would be sitting down in my bed just to kind of, you know, bring myself back into reality and my heart would be racing and I would be like sweaty and scared, but I didn't even remember what it was actually about. I just kind of knew that I just saw a nightmare and it scared me.
1: I know that when you studied journalism, you had an assignment to watch Russian state television for a week. That's not something you do uh, very often besides that. But after doing that uh, at your study, did you understand the people who believe in, uh, in propaganda better?
0: Definitely. Because despite the fact that I do read independent media, I am literate when it comes to media because I've been studying journalism and bachelor's and master's and like I know how to deal with media. After having done that, I literally feel like I have no no right to blame people who believe in Russian propaganda because it's literally an instrument that our government has and that unfortunately
1: they're using really really well. Today, do you ever watch Russian state television just to see what's going on there? Unfortunately.
0: It makes me so irritated and so frustrated that I just I can't force myself to do it, even though I know that it is important to do it, to know which arguments they use. But I do watch, like, there is this really cool YouTube show. It used to be a show by one of the Russian independent TV channels, which is called Fake News, and they are debunking Russian state television. So they publish it on YouTube. They show you, like, this week they were talking about this, 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 and usually all of this is fake.
1: Do you feel some kind of uh, responsibility uh, that maybe you should have stayed in Russia to educate the the media outlets from within, like uh, for the bigger sake?
0: Uh, I wish I could stay in Russia as a journalist. And honestly, for me, especially back in my bachelor's, then I was just thinking about obtaining my master's degree abroad, I was thinking a lot about the fact that it is a moral dilemma in a way that you want to help Russia, but you also want to do it from abroad. And isn't it a little bit hypocritical? And then I got this job and I was like, okay, I should give it a try. And then I was waiting for my visa wait-along, and while I was waiting for my visa, the war started. And it became really obvious that like, it's not the country in which you can be a journalist because it is the country where you can go to prison right now just by calling a war, the war.
1: For me,
0: it's not journalism. Like, if you have to call it a special military operation, you betray your profession in a way. Like, you're not doing your job properly. You're lying to your readers. And that's not something I could have dealt with well. I wish I could stay. And there are brilliant Russian media outlets out there, independent media outlets. And like in my ideal scenario that I pictured for myself back in my master's was that I will come back eventually and I will find a way to get both of these worlds integrated in my life.
1: And how realistic is that plan now?
0: Exactly. That's what I want to say. But right now, every single outlet that I was so fascinated by and loved so much, all of them fled Russia because they can't do journalism in Russia. And for me right now, it is enough of condolence to kind of know that at least I didn't betray my own ideals, and at least I'm still doing the job I wanted to do. But at the same time, I wish at some point, then it's all finally over. I will still find my way to also kind of be not just a Russian-speaking journalist, but also a Russian
1: journalist. You studied journalism. I guess you have friends who work in these uh, Russian uh, state media that you're talking about now. What, what do you think about them? Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, before the war, I used to say that even though it's not something I would pursue, I don't feel like I'm in the place to judge them. But right now, then, it all was also created by the journalists. And I've said it a few times already, but I do feel like Russian propaganda is not just responsible for that. It is as much responsible as the government. Like, it is two main instruments that made it all possible. And for this reason, right now, for me, all the people who are doing this job are not the ones I want to be around to say the least.
1: Now, Moscow's invasion of Ukraine has sparked discussions on whether there should be broader consequences for all Russian citizens. Some EU countries want to bar them from traveling into the block for shopping and holidays. I think it's very provocative that Russian tourists ligger on European roads and sunbaths while
0: their landsmænd bombarderer civile og ukrainske byer.
1: In Europe, uh, Dasha, there is a discussion about whether Russian people they are allowed to travel in Europe. I'm sure you uh, you've heard and you uh, you know about this discussion. The Danish Minister of Foreign Affairs has for instance said that he is provoked to see Russians sunbathing on European beaches while Ukraine cities are being bombed. Have you had any experiences with people looking at you in a special way because you're from Russia?
0: Not really. Like, I've been in a few situations then people were bothered by the fact that I'm from Russia, but I've never experienced any sort of hostility, and I'm really fortunate in this regard. And I feel like the only discussion that really has started recently is the visa discussion, what you kind of pointed out to. But actually, before that discussion... I felt like I was bothered more about my Russian passport than people around me, which kind of made me really appreciative of the place I ended up in.
1: How does it make you feel that, that some people, like for instance, the Danish minister of foreign affairs, he says that he is provoked by the Russians traveling to Europe. How does that make you feel?
0: Well, the visa ban, it's something that I find quite ridiculous. And words like this, I find if not ridiculous, but then missing the context. Like what he's saying doesn't really have a lot to do with the reality because only 30% of Russians have passports that would allow them to travel abroad on the day that a Schengen visa ban was announced or like it was a center of discussion. The most searched Google search in Russia was like, what is a Schengen visa? Because people literally had no idea what it was all about. And... of Russians, 69% of Russians, have never been abroad in their entire life. If you travel abroad, you kind of are given a chance to see how your life might look like. And then you come back, you see that your life is different, and you're more prone to ask for changes and to require them. And I also have seen that many people are raising the question, but like, why do they need to leave to Europe? Because unfortunately, many who leave to Armenia or Georgia They are also getting deported by local authorities because local authorities have stronger ties with Russia. And if they consider you to be, you know, a criminal just for your journalism, they might as well send you back. Right now with this ban, you are actually making things harder for, as I said, like somebody who has an uncle or a husband in Europe or for someone who wanted to obtain a master's degree abroad. So is it really helpful? (laughs) I'm not sure.
1: Now you said that you're not happy with your Russian passport. Have you considered doing something like applying for citizenship in another country or something like that? Now you're unhappy with your, your own passport? Well,
0: I feel like no matter which passport I have, I will still be Russian. Like I can't get rid of my ethnicity, my nationality, my bringin Like I am Russian and I do care about my country. If I try to apply for some sort of a foreign citizenship... It is not guaranteed to me that I will still be able to visit my family like my whole family is back in Russia my friends are back in Russia and I still love Russia <laughs> like as a country I was born in as a country I obtained my bachelor's degree in and I want a better future for it and I wouldn't say that saying no to this part of your identity and some it is a way to create this better future.
1: A lot of people say that this war can have consequences for a long, long time. What do you think this will mean for you and for your generation, people your age of young, uh, young Russians?
0: I feel like right now we're experiencing the highest stream of brain drain from Russia. So the longer the war goes, the stronger the consequences in this regard will be. And I'm saying that I might go back, but I also, like, I'm not trying to lie to myself in a way that I know that if nothing changes, I have no reason to come back. At least from my personal experience and people I know, I know that they and I are ready to come back if there is something to come back to. And I know that it sounds weird, and probably it would make more sense if we kind of like, and that's probably the argument that the European Union has, that if you stayed inside and tried to do it from within, maybe you wouldn't need to wait. But the issue is that we have been trying all these years. We have been trying, and maybe we haven't tried enough. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. And that was also another thing that bothered me quite a lot in the beginning of the war. But I kind of felt like, what if I had done more? What if I had protested more? What if I had, I don't know, registered as a politician myself and were trying to do a difference myself? I know that maybe, considering my age and everything, I've done as much as I could. But all these what-ifs, they are destroying you. And actually, I feel like exactly these questions is the reason that if the time comes and we can get back, we will get back to kind of make the difference that maybe we were not allowed or like we were not in the place to make while we were younger, or maybe didn't even realize what was going on with our country.
1: It just reminds me of something. It reminds me of um, people talking about the German, the ordinary German men and women, women after Second World War. They had a really hard time just by the fact that they were German. Is that something you have given a thought?
0: Actually, it is something that we also have discussed quite a lot with my friends then the war just started It's that yeah, we are essentially new Germans back in like twentieth uh, century for this reason, actually, I have friends who are living who are reading lots of literature right now about that period and actually about common German ladies and men and how they were surviving through the same experience. It is something that you are part of even if you try to make a difference and you can't get away from it because. It is true. You were living in this country, and if this happened, all of you collectively didn't do enough to stop it. And kind of carrying this sense of like, we caused all this devastation, we caused all these deaths, we caused all this,
1: like, everything. You say we, is. do you feel like you're part of that we? Uh,
0: unfortunately, yes. And that's exactly what I mean, because I know that I've been trying Ever since I was a teenager, to protest, to express my dissatisfaction, to do something about it. I was an independent observer by elections. I I i am a journalist of all the things. Like, I tried. But because it happened, I kind of feel like I didn't try good enough. Or like, I left the country for my master's. Maybe I shouldn't have left. Maybe it was not right. And I know that many people feel the same way. And I'm trying to also show in terms of like what I told you about my passport and stuff like that, that I do recognize that I'm Russian and that's something I can't get rid of and it's something that will always be a part of me. And this collective responsibility and the fact that we started this war, it's something that we will have to deal with. And maybe it's easier to deal with it right now and in the future if you accept that you're a part of it and maybe it is in your power to do something about it eventually.
1: Thank you for telling your story, Dasha.
0: Thank you for listening. One by one, Russia's independent media outlets have been forced to shut down since the start of the Kremlin's invasion of Ukraine, effectively banning all but the official state narrative on the war. Now, that crackdown has sparked a mass exodus of Russian journalists and intellectuals out of the country, fearing not only for their jobs, but also for their lives. Now we have to understand that uh, the freedom of speech in Russia uh, is uh, over.